Having escaped the Imperial blockade, Laris is desperate for supplies and finds that she might not possess the right tool to solve her problems. Laris, you don't usually dream. Usually when you close your eyes, it is a dark void of nothingness. At most, you will have a flicker of imagery that is usually pushed away by your mini implants. But right now, this is a dream. You are inside a memory. You are running on a track, and the other initiates are in front of you. They're faster. In your defense, they're older. They're 13, you're merely 10, and yet you feel your face burning with embarrassment as they overtake you for a second time. One hits your shoulder as he runs past you, sending you sprawling forward onto the asphalt. You slam onto the ground and your knee hurts. You remember all of your training. You remember how you're supposed to suppress everything. And yet, you start crying. You hear the whistle blow. And you look up. <laughs> Coming out from one of the rooms is a man. He's not so much a large gentleman as he is a wide gentleman. And it's not because he is fat. He's actually quite muscular, but he's probably a human from a planet that has too much gravity on it. So he, they grew short, but outward. He moves towards you and you know who this man is. He is instructor Mal Turek. His left eye is completely milky, and you suspect that he could not see out of it if not for the cybernetic enhancements along the bone ridge of his eye. And he walks up to you, the other recruits stopping where they're at and sitting down on the ground, and he kneels in front of you. Subject 284, what is happening? I've been damaged. He grabs your knee. And almost like a grandfather, gently raises it, looks it over, and shakes his head. Superficial damage. Why are you crying? He damaged me, she says, pointing at the kid who pushed her down. That is the action that was taken to bring you down, but why are you crying? What is the function of your tears? It hurts. That is a result of pain. What is the function of your tears? How does it aid you right now? It doesn't. Mal Turek's face is impassive for a moment. But you see the wrinkle in his forehead sort of soften, and his voice lowers. Subject 284. The Republic is changing and doesn't need soldiers. What does it need? Tools. Does your tears function as a tool? No. Tools do not fear. Tools do not cry. They serve the betterment of the galaxy for the builders. And who is the builder? The Empire. What are you? A tool. Do you cry? No. Why are you still on the ground? Subject 284. Subject 284 pushes herself up. Laris, the sound of sirens is the thing that stirs you from this unusual circumstance, this dream, and your eyes flutter open. Laris immediately sits upright and takes in her surroundings as she's still on the ship. She is still on the ship, and that alarm that you're hearing is a proximity alarm, basically alerting you that you're about to exit hyperspace. You see Bone right next to you, beeping wildly, trying to get you awake. And once he sees that you're stirring, uh, he once again chirps at you. And with your implants, you're able to understand what he's getting at. 
you're leaving hyperspace immediately. It's an emergency departure. And with that, you see the stars return. And you're out of hyperspace. Bone, location status. You are out of the Dathomiri system. And right now, uh, with your sensors being damaged as they are, he is unsure. But he is coordinating with the current star maps in front of you. What caused us to drop from hyperspace? He alerts you that your ship has sustained heavy damage, more than you calculated when you first tried to get Cassian closer to the planet. Run system diagnostics. He does. And as you dance your own fingers across the control, uh, you both come to the same conclusion at the same time. There are two main things. Well, there's always a lot of things wrong with a howling Gundark, or as Castian has come to designate it as, the bad egg. But the main two things is first, your environmental system is broken. As in, what you're breathing in is what the environmental system was pumping in prior to your departure of the Dathomiri system. But there's no more recycling. There's no more recycling. So right now you are breathing in oxygen that's left over and the CO2. Yeah, I'm in a locked tin can and I'm rapidly going to run out of oxygen. Yes, that's the least important issue right now. The most important issue is your hyperdrive ray shield emitter that's cracked. Not your hyperdrive, your hyperdrive shield emitter. And what that is, is basically when you enter hyperspace, there is a lot of force coming at you. And there's a lot of issues that you need to make sure it doesn't affect your ship. Time dilation, things like that. The main thing is making sure hyperspace doesn't tear your ship apart. Right now, that component is cracked on your ship. You think you might be able to keep it up and running for a, a couple micro jumps, maybe, but that's pushing it. Which means right now, you can go into hyperspace, but your ship probably won't survive it for long. Bone is desperately trying to get you a coordinate, and he finally comes up where you're at. You're not in, but you are close to the Drakmar system. And what do I know about the Drakmar system? Looking up, and your eyes start darting around as you try to access your implant to get the most recent information you have on the Drachmar system, and you suddenly feel a sharp pain as something kind of pops in your implant. Uh-huh. You reach up, and you touch the side of your head, and you feel uh, wires and a couple sparks coming from your the cyber implant of your head. Bone, I require mechanical assistance. Bone rolls over, you kneel down in front of him, and he uh, examines the issue right now. And what he comes back with is one of your neuron modules is cracked. What this particular module does is it keeps your fear in check, it stops you from having idle thoughts, and it also keeps you from dreaming. Repair it. He does not have the expertise to be handling a cybernetic implant. He could probably make sure that it doesn't hurt you anymore, but he can't fix it. Begin neutralization procedure. And he begins as you uh, kind of take your focus away, trying to run your own diagnostics. You can run your own computers to see uh, what you can find using the ship's databanks on the Drachmar system. What is my difficulty? It is an average. Five successes. Okay, you're in luck. When Castian and you decided to go to Dathomir, or as you like to put it, Castian made you go to Dathomir, uh, you took all of the data from the surrounding areas and fed it into your systems from the Holonet. And the Dragmir system is one of those systems. And uh, it used to be a separatist system prior to the end of the Clone Wars. And uh, one of the only planets in the Dragmir system that holds life is Drakmor. 
Uh, the life form is a Drachmarian, a large, very aggressive lizard uh, that is known to rip the hands off of any human that lands there. Uh, unless, of course, they are protected by a lot of bodyguards, or more importantly, they're flying the Imperial uh, banner. And also, they breathe methane. They are probably not ideal. But since you have five successes, I'm going to give you this. Uh, using your back channels and going through some of the databanks that you've kept even after you left the Empire, you know there's actually a separatist space facility in the Drachmir system. And what they used it for was originally to create droids. Once the Clone Wars ended, what the Empire did was they used it to dissemble a lot of the droids, to analyze them, to study them. After a while, it proved not essential. They left it there floating with some security surrounding it, a lot of just proximity mines, proximity alarms, turrets, just in case they ever need to get it again. But if you're looking for a place to repair, that might be the best place to go. You at least know they have an atmosphere probably still circulating throughout the space <laughs> station. Laris is researching all of this while Bone is at work on her cybernetic implant. And as soon as she feels the pain stop, that's when she knows that the unit has done all it can. And she abruptly stands up and just goes to the navigational array and puts in the coordinates for the station. Bone follows you asking, um, asking if it's wise for you to be standing at this time. It is necessary. Do not concern yourself with me. Begin system repairs with parts we have on board. Complete inventory for replacement parts needed for ray emitter and environmental system. Uh, he goes through, he just, with a quick scan of what you have on the ship and what you can kind of just jury rig, he comes up with a list. With the items that he has on the ship, he can repair the environmental system. It will take about 12 hours. And that's even with you helping. Unfortunately, you only have breathable air for five hours. So... There's about seven hours right there where you're just going to be dead. How many hours away from the space station are we? Uh, the abandoned one in the Drachmir system. Uh, if you do a micro jump, which will get you close enough, you'll get there in four hours. You'll be feeling the effects of CO2 poisoning, but you should be fine. Okay. And with that... You tap into controls quickly for a micro jump. Micro jumps are not easy, so I need you actually to make a roll for this one. This is a nav computer, and since you're kind of going off sensor data that is damaged, this is going to be difficult. Hard. Two successes and a triumph. Astrogation is what Laris is built for. Yeah. With most pilots, they might be panicking right now. And there's even a little bit of a hum of a fear that's in your stomach that you're unaccustomed to. But you are Laris. You are subject 284. This is what you're built to do. And you immediately put in the micro jump, sit down in your seat, strap in, bone rolls over and locks into place, and you hit the hyperdrive. The viewport flashes before you for maybe two seconds and then you're out immediately from hyperspace and in front of you uh, in the distance very far in the distance you see the glow of a red sun and you see some planets you know drachmir is on the is the fourth planet from this sun um, and the space station is closer to the sixth planet so you make your way there using nothing but your sublight engines which are a little damaged themselves so it takes a while and as you're moving towards it, you and Bone are trying your best to repair the ship, fix what you can. But again, you're starting to feel that effect of CO2 poisoning. Mm -hmm. And right about the four-hour mark, when you're starting to feel that headache that's buzzing through your system, Bone announces, we're approaching the space station. Begin docking procedure. There's a lock. 
He tries to send a couple of Imperial codes through it, but none of them are taking. They're too new. This is how old this place is. You know the only way to get in is you need to jury-rig the system. And the only way to do that is either from the inside of the station, which you can't get into, or you have to find a panel on the outside of the station. All right, that's what I'm going to do. Sounds like it's spacewalk time. You go into your supplies, open up the locker, and there it is. It is an old spacesuit. It has the visor. It has the clunky outfit. It's also a little tight on you. It's probably for a Bith or a Duros. Uh, and you know you bought this from a Duros, so this is probably his old suit. And you do not know when's the last time any of it has been checked out. But you put it on, and you head off towards the airlock. Yes. Bone gets you as close as possible towards the space station and opens up the airlock. The air rushes out around you as you cling on towards the railing next to you. You're built it in, so even if you let go, it'd still, you know, you'd still be safe. And then finally, you feel that all the air has escaped from the airlock, and behind you is nothing but cold, empty void. And you look over your shoulder as best as you can in this clunky suit. And you see space, and then a little bit for away from you, about 50 or so meters, it's old Durosteel of the station. Uh, to get there, you're going to need an athletics roll, uh, an average one usually, but since you're in space, uh, I'm going to upgrade that. Oh, so you're spending a destiny point to upgrade? Yes. Uh-oh. One success and four threats. There, you push yourself off the railing, and you're using the belt to kind of navigate your way there. You cling on to it a little bit tighter than you'd prefer, and you slowly extend yourself backwards until you finally feel the dural steel on your back. You're feeling a little lightheaded, and then you realize you probably have a small micro-leak in the suit somewhere. It doesn't mean you're going to explode or die immediately. What it means is you're ex- you're using up more oxygen than what you assumed you were going to be. So maybe instead of two hours of oxygen in the suit, you had th- you have 30 minutes. And I imagine just from the lightheadedness that's that's happening in the headache, uh, I'd have a setback die for my uh, for any mental rolls until I'm back in an oxygenated uh, atmosphere. Yes. You turn around, you set your boots against the duro steel, and you activate the mag locks there, and you feel the. Thum, thum, as now your boots are glued to the side of the Duro Steel, and you start and you look around, and let's see if you can find this nav port uh, where you can start jury rigging. So that is going to be a perception roll. What's my difficulty? I'm going to say uh, blackness of space. It's a very small panel that they usually try to cover up. It's going to be hard. A success and a triumph with three threats. Angela, you start moving slowly, kung, 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 along the Dura Steel. And you told Bone to get you as close as possible to where you speculate where a port would be hidden. And he did. It only takes you maybe five minutes of walking in the general direction of like he, where he informed you to go, where you see it. But as soon as you get there, you notice that the panel is open, as if someone was already had opened it up. And as you look in, you see the slimy leather of a creature as it's feeding on the port. It hasn't noticed you yet, but there's something on the wing. (laughs) Can I identify it? Let's do a knowledge Xeno check. Average. Two successes. Minoc. 
It is a Minoc. They are creatures that kind of can survive the vacuum of space for short periods of time, and they feed off energy arrays. So Laris looks at the situation, and she analyzes it, because Laris is extremely analytical. A blaster pistol bolt is obviously the most efficient way of dealing with it, but there is an increased likelihood of furthering the damage beyond just what the Minoc is doing in the course of its natural life cycle. So instead, she takes out one of her tools, a, a spanner, and she's going to poke at the Minoc and hope that it's more scared of her than than it is hungry. Okay, I think that's an intimidation check. It's an average uh, intimidation, which is a coercion check. You're trying to scare it. I'm going to upgrade my dice pool because I need an advantage somehow. Hey, two successes and a threat. This thing does not expect to be touched. And it hasn't noticed you because you got that triumph. You snuck up on it. It was eating some good food. And suddenly it feels something grab its back or poke its back. And it erupts with a squeal. It flaps away into the void of space. Its leather ring slaps you across the visor. And you see a scratch. And it's not like it's going to break through the visor. This is a good visor, at least. But it's enough for your heart to start pounding faster than it has in so long. I need you to make a fear check. What's my difficulty? Average. Just an average one. Three successes, one threat. You're able to keep your breathing in check, but there is a moment where your heart is racing and your hands are shaking and you feel foolish and embarrassed. Then you calm yourself. You focus on your breathing. You're above this. You're not afraid. And then you turn back towards the power array. And it looks like it's been chewed on, Angela. The good news, though, is you don't have to cut into it like you had been preparing to, which would have taken time. The bad news is, since it's chewed up, the wires are everywhere. It's going to be a little harder to distinguish what wire goes where. So, with that, it is going to be a hard check with a setback die. Mechanics? Uh, yes, mechanics. This is jury rig. One success and another three threats. Okay, a lot of threats today. Uh, you're able to turn off a lot of the security and the locking procedures that are keeping you from being able to access the docking port. The problem is you're not really able to hide it well. You, you think you shut down the signal that kind of alerts them that, hey, somebody's trespassing in time, but you're not sure. Not only that, but while you're able to shut down the security, you don't think you're able to turn off the droids that they might have kept in there. They're, they're, those are not attached to the power relay uh, station or the security terminal that you're able to access. All right. And with that... You're done. Bone alerts you. He can activate docking procedure as soon as you get in. Back to the ship. So you head back to the ship. And by the time you get there, you are feeling really woozy. You don't even have enough strength to pull yourself into the airlock. You actually have to activate the belt. And it kind of whips you along lifelessly before finally you get there. You reach out. You hit the button. The airlock closes behind you. And with a hiss... The air, which is a mixture of CO2 and oxygen, returns, and you're able to open up the suit and take a deep breath. You're not feeling great. R3B1, initiate docking procedures. Bone whistles through the comm that that is underway, and you feel the shutter of the engines as they turn on once more. Now, this is a large station, very large, and while some stations have the ships attach on the outside of the ship, this one actually allows uh, has enough room for the ship to actually dock inside the station itself. 
And so that's what Bone is doing. As his reads point out, there is still a safe atmosphere in there. And you guys land with a shutter. And as soon as you guys get in and he closes the docking bay doors behind you, you hear the ramp snap open and it lowers uh, and a rush of oxygen comes into the ship. (sighs) Remain with the ship. Continue with repair procedures. Bone whistles and he rolls off. What is Laris grabbing before she enters the station? Laris has a bag for carrying components. She has an expanded mechanics kit. Mm-hmm. She still has her light blaster pistol. And she has phone download the needed components into her cybernetics. So she's got a list stored. Mm-hmm. And she also has a flashlight. And the flashlight's absolutely needed because as soon as you descend the dock, uh, Bone whistles through the comm that he's trying to get power back to some of the systems on there. They do have life support still functional, but they depower down a lot and he's not able to get the lights on. So it is dark and dusty. Even though there is an atmosphere in there, it feels gross in your mouth almost. But as you exit down the ship, your foot lands and there is a thick layer of dust on the ground and it shoots up causing you to sneeze. (coughs) There's only two doors in the docking bay, and one's towards engineering and one's towards security. You mentioned that there would likely be security droids in a facility like this, and I was unable to turn them off from outside, so it seems logical to go to security first. Great. You get to the door, and you walk towards it, and you pause, waiting for it to open, and it doesn't. This door doesn't open. It doesn't have the power to open, probably lacking a power cell. So you're going to have to install a power cell into this or jury rig it open. Either way, it's a mechanical roll. So how do you want to open this? I want to jury rig it. Great. So you open up the side panel, kneel down in front of all the wiring, and there it is. This is just going to be an average roll. Three successes and a triumph. Okay, with that triumph, you are no longer going to have to roll for any of these like mundane doors. You know the process. And not only that, but you know the process really well. So you will be able to open these doors within a minute as long as the panel isn't locked. So you kneel down, you quickly grab the wires, twist a few things together, and there's a burst of electricity and it jumps open. You walk down this hallway and you're shining a light. And this is where you uh, suspect the security officer stayed. This is the living quarters for like the station. And you notice that it's not actually that large. And that's probably because this was a droid factory controlled by droids. So when it was taken over, this you probably this was converted to a living area, security area, things like that. Sure. So you walk, you walk past the galley, which is completely just deserted, stripped clean. You see they even took the refreshing unit with it. You walk by several rooms that have just been completely emptied out. And then you stop in front of the door that says barracks. And that's kind of the end of the hallway. You open it up, you walk in and you see across the way down the barracks uh, on the other side of the room is another door. And you just walk past the skeletal remains of once once were bunk beds. And as you move, do you feel a glitch in your ocular implant. Your cybernetics are acting up again. And as you're walking, it's like a memory is playing out in front of you, as if it's VR. And you know what memory it is. You do remember it, but the way your cybernetics is supposed to kind of push back those memories of getting in your way, it's kind of now projecting it in your mind's eye. And what you see in front of you 
Well, you see Laris. You see Subject 284. She is a 13-year-old girl now. Her hair is shaved, though she still lacks the cybernetics, though those weren't added until later. And she's wearing a basic Imperial Cadet uniform. And in front of you is Mal Turek. And beside him are two stormtroopers and a young boy, probably 14 in age, wearing also a cadet uniform. Subject 284, repeat what you just told me. Subject 113 approached me in the barracks. He said he had feelings for me, and he kissed me. Mal nods his head and then turns towards the stormtroopers. He gives them both a curt nod, and they begin dragging the boy away. The boy doesn't fight them, and he tries to remain neutral, much like all the children or teenagers try to remain neutral in this program. But you could see fear in his eyes as they bring him towards the room where people don't return from. And Mal Turek turns towards you and kneels down in front of you like he always does and places a hand on your shoulder, saying, Thank you for bringing his transgression to our attention. Loric is old enough to know better. Uh, he has shown himself to be uh, too selfish to serve the Empire. He wants to be an individual. The Empire doesn't need individuals, subject 284. What does it require? Tools, sir. And then something that wasn't part of your memory happens. The door of the barracks opens up in front of you and an old droid lumbers in. And then you realize that's not part of the memory that's kind of being projected in front of you. That's actually reality. And suddenly the memory fades in from your existence, leaving just the droid, who seems a little bit more startled to see you than maybe you see it. And then it raises its arm and you see two light blasters pop out of it. Let's roll initiative. Uh, that's going to be vigilance. So go ahead and roll. Three successes. And he just got one advantage. So you get to go first. I'm going to draw my pistol and fire. One armor. Yeah, one threat. You grab hold of your blaster, pull it out. But in doing so, your flashlight kind of tumbles out of your grip, lands on the ground and spins. And as you fire, it just disorients you just a little bit. So you're going to have a negative dice for your next round. Uh, but now it's his turn to fire. He fires, and much like you, he fires, it goes completely wild, hits one of the bunks, that explodes, but not even near you. He probably hasn't had to calibrate his aiming mechanism for a long time. All right, so Laris lines up another shot, and the lack of light being directed directly at the droid is apparently throwing her as she gets a failure, but also an advantage. Yeah, you fire as well, kind of ducking behind one of the barracks. Your shot misses it, but it hits another bunk right next to it, making it tumble forward, making the thing have to step to the side, making it harder for him to aim at you since he is moving as he fires. And he is going to shoot. Two threats. He fires at you, but since he was moving, his mechanism kind of brought him in line of sight of a bar of one of the bunk beds, and that explodes close range, causing him to back away as it, uh, the flare kind of hurts his optical array. Angela, your turn. Okay, so firing guns is obviously the Keystone Cop method of doing this fight between these two. So instead... Uh, as I've seen that these these bunks obviously are not the highest quality. They weren't welded to the wall very well. If our stray shots are causing them to fall, I'm going to shoot down one of these bunks and I want it to collapse on him. Go ahead and do it. It's going to be an average difficulty since you have to hit the screw that's holding this up. I get four successes and three threats. Fantastic. You fire at one of the bunk beds, uh, taking out two of the bars holding it up, and the top bunk falls forward. 
and that whole displacement of weight kind of brings the entire thing crumbling down right on top of this creature. This creature falls down penned as he's covered in metal, but it is still going to be able to fire. It's going to have heavy disadvantage and you're going to get a, you're going to get a boost dice because it is pinned in place. Now it's just firing randomly. It can't even aim at you. So it's just firing shots blindly, almost in a panic if droid, if this droid even could panic. So it gives you enough ability to walk forward, get really close range. This is going to be an easy shot. There we go. Three successes. Great. What's so your damage? Uh, it's going to be a total of eight damage. And yeah, you, you aim down towards it and just fire. <laughs> right into its optics array, and it just obliterates the entire droid. The droid uh, shudders for a second and then goes still. Your heart is beating. But again, you focus on what Mal Turok told you. Breath control. Breathing. Focus. Breath control. Breathing. Focus. And then you get your heart back to its normal beating pattern, and you continue onward. You move through the door, and you walk into a security terminal area. This actually is a place that has power left. It has some security monitors as well as a terminal or two that still has lights on. Excellent. I go to one of the terminals. Great. What are you looking to do? I want to remotely shut down any security droids that are still active. Yeah, this is going to be a hard difficulty, but uh, you could use computers to try to shut down all the droids that are left in this place. Boom. That's three successes, a triumph, and only one threat. You're easily able to turn off all of the droids. They all shut down, all 20 of them that were just scattered around patrolling the area. Uh, the triumph is you are also able to find, uh, instead of having to go into the engineering area, like leave, go down into the docking area and go into the engineering area, you also find a kind of like Jeffrey's tube uh, that they use to go from engineering to security in this office. So you can just go straight into this engineering from here. Uh, the threat is as soon as you open up this Jeffrey's tube, it is filled with cobwebs, and uh, you're going to have to make another fear check as you're discovering a lot of things that you're afraid of, which is tight spaces now and spiders. Three successes, two threats. Okay, it's not that big of a deal. You actually, once again, just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and crawl right into this tube, and you don't even worry too much. You do feel like a bite of a spider at some point, but you're able to analyze it and just know that it is not poisonous. But you do take a strain as you're just kind of bumping your way through these cobwebs. And then you pull yourself through into the engineering section. It saves you about a 10-minute walk. Great. So uh, Laris is immediately going to start looking around for the components that she needs. Yes, you go through this area and you find most of the components that you need, uh, except for the emitter itself, the crystallized emitter itself. And you dig deeper uh, through this uh, engineering and then you get into the what you assumed was at one point the droid assembly line. And you see where there used to be parts, there used to be large vats and storage areas of parts. All those have been completely wiped clean and stuff like that. And you do notice that on this assembly line, a lot of the things that were used to create the droids and put them together have been reverse engineers to take them apart. So this was clearly used after the Clone Wars uh, to probably analyze any last minute improvements to the droids that the Separatists might have been experimenting with. You walk towards the door where you know where probably the component is being left because uh, this component, this crystallized emitter, uh, that is something that usually uh, in these older models, they built around the droid brain uh, just to keep it safe. You head off towards where they would keep that. And you get to the door 
and you see that the panel that you would usually open to jury wig this is completely destroyed as if someone took a welding torch to it. There's no way to get into this area through this door. Looking around for another option. What's my difficulty? Uh, uh, this is going to be average. Failure and a threat. You're looking around for a way to get through this area, and you bump your hip painfully against a sharpened piece of metal that was sticking out, junting out, and it hurts. So I need you to take a uh, just another strain. But it's enough to get you very aggravated, and you actually feel yourself want to curse, which is something Castian would do, but not you. No. But again, you t- control your breath, you look around, and you do not find an entryway into this room. You, what you do find is a protocol droid uh, that is had been left in a corner. Uh, it, actually, part of a protocol droid, just its head. It might have some answers if you can get it up and running. I think I can do that. That's going to be a mechanics roll. It's going to be hard. This oh, thing sure. is, is an old protocol droid that's probably at least 50 years old at this point. So it's been it was older than the Clone Wars itself, and it was left here to rust. And I'm going to flip a destiny point for myself. I was really hoping I could triumph this one. Still a success and an advantage. You get the the head of this droid activated. The eyes flicker, and it speaks a couple different languages before it settles on uh, Galactic Basic. It says, hello. Uh, Oh, a human. How delightful. Are you here for the uh, reconstruction, yes? No. Oh, excellent. Uh, How good I be of service. (laughs) This door, Lara says, indicating the one that had the broken panel. What room does it lead to? Oh, that leads to the facilities assembly control. I require an alternative route into facilities assembly control. It flickers its eyes. There is no safe passage. Disregard safety protocols. Through the assembly line. It flickers its eyes once more. And as you look towards the assembly line, you do see that there is, you can go up the conveyor belt and into the droid processing area. It's off. So that's that. But I bet it's very tiny. It's enough. You'd have to be, you'd have to crouch down, but you could still walk. Okay. Because remember, droids used to be run through there, but that's where this droid's telling you to go. Acceptable. Good. Thank you very much. I take the head and I put it in my bag. Thank you for not leaving me. <laughs> yeah, I go to the assembly line and begin climbing. This is going to be an average athletics check because you are it is high up there. You have to climb up. The conveyor belts are broken and everything like that. So you have to get up there first. A success and an advantage. Great. You pull yourself up and you climb. It's not as tough as it looks. And then in front of you is the entrance to wherever this assembly line leads. So you just aim your light in and you duck down and you enter. And all around you is just mechanical arms that are sticking out, long depowered. So it's just kind of you're weaving your way through uh, old tools and everything. And again, it's those memories that begin to play through you. And you try to ignore them, but this is a long process of you moving. And it's Mal Tarak again. As he's walking you down a very similar corridor. It is clearly not as cramped as this, but it is as sterile. There's no decor, there's nothing, and there's no other rooms around you. It's just a long corridor, and it's probably why it was built, because it gives him time to talk. And he's leading you by the shoulder. Subject 284, are you ready for your implantation? Yes. You are one of the few to make it to this point. You have done well. Your designation is now Laris. Most recent census records on Corellia indicated that over 20,000 people currently held the designation of Laris. It is inefficient. Tools accept. Yes, sir. 
He keeps walking you down, and he opens, and it's a blinding light. You walk into a surgical bay. And what you see is a young man who is surrounded by droid arms as they surgically implant uh, this cybernetic ring around the head. And you just sit there and watch. I shake the memory away and keep moving. As you push your way through the corridor of arms, you finally push back the last one. You stumble forward into a barren, walled area of this assembly line. And it's bigger, and you can actually stand. And there's actually a little bit of a glow, so you can actually see in this area. And you start moving forward. And then suddenly you just feel a pain in your head. Is it the cracked neuron module acting up again? No, no, it's your entire head hurts. Take three strain. You know what this was. This is basically where you would bring droids to die. You would run them through a giant magnet. This giant corridor, This it's 12 feet by 12 feet. 12 feet long, 12 feet high, 12 feet wide. It is just a giant magnet. Now, the magnet's probably turned off, which is why you're not dead. But just the material itself is magnetized. So you being near it so much, it's messing with your cybernetics. So you're going to have to do a resiliency check to get through this. Average difficulty. I got an advantage. Uh, Take three more strain. As you're pushing your way through, your head is on fire, it feels like. But you're able to stumble out this magnetized section and out of the assembly line tunnel. And you fall out into the facility. And you dust yourself off and you look around and you are now in the, uh, you're still in the factory, but you look up and there is a overwatch where they usually would have like maybe a force field and it would be where the foreman's at. The force field's not activated. So you would need to climb up there, but that is where that door was leading. And you hear uh, from the bag. I open the bag. That is where the door leads. Excellent. (laughs) Be careful. Thank you. And she zips it back up. And is there a ladder or anything that leads from the ground to the... There is a pipe. I'm going to climb the pipe. Okay, to climb, it'll be an average difficulty with a setback dice because your head is still feeling a little bit weird from the magnetism. And a failure, but an advantage. Uh, The pipe breaks and you fall down, but then you look over, take a strain, and you actually do see uh, a a more sufficient way of climbing. It is a a stack of discarded crates and it's a little easier. Go ahead and make another athletics roll, this one without the disadvantage. One success. Yep. You are absolutely able to climb up this, these crates and you jump up and you grab hold to where the force field would be and haul yourself over the railing. And you are in where the droid brain and the foreman's office is. And in front of you, next to a broken desk, is where they have the droid brain connected. You don't need the droid brain. The droid brain has long been turned off, but the casing around it is exactly what you can use for your emitter. Uh, the emitter in front of you is surrounding the droid brain, but it's as simple as unscrewing it, kind of like a light bulb. That's how old this place is, and pulling it up. It is not a per- the perfect thing. You're going to definitely have to get another emitter itself, but this will actually work for at least, you know, you're doing the calculations quickly in your head. This will work for at least a month. I take the crystal shielding. And you put that in your bag, and suddenly your communicator goes off. I open it up. It's Bone. He's trying to alert you. Another ship has activated the docking bay's doors and is entering. Do not engage. I am returning to the ship. You try to send that, and you get about halfway through, and then there's a squeal from your communicator as something jams the communication itself.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot Star Wars Force and Destiny. Please follow Solo Shot Podcast and Fandible on Twitter, and please share this episode on social media. You can also leave a review for Fandible on iTunes or your pod chaser of choice to help others find us and enjoy games like this one. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to make a donation to help keep our equipment up and running. But most importantly, always remember, may the Force be with you.